Hello. You're probably wondering, whoa, that's Spencer. What's he doing here? Well, Spencer is out. Mitch covers for me. And now Mitch is out. Spencer covers for Mitch. So welcome, everyone, to SPACs Attack. I'm Spencer Israel. That other guy, no, that way, is Chris Catchy. Chris, how are we doing? How was your, well, I, I shouldn't, I say how was your weekend as if you weren't here yesterday, but I wasn't here. So I'm going to ask you because I was out. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. I'm doing good today. How about you, Spencer? We're happy uh, to have you fill in and happy to see you back after the weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, Chris, we got a big show today. We got two guests coming up in about 15 minutes or so. We're talking to uh, somebody from the SPAC and somebody from the company that they are trying to merger with. Raj- uh, Rajiv Shukla is the chairman and CEO of Alpha Healthcare Acquisition Corporation, AHAC. Alpha Henry Alpha Charlie is the ticker, and we're talking also to the founder and CEO of Humisite, Dr. Laura Nicholson, the company that is on the other end of that acquisition. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, well, Chris. What are, what are we talking about? I'm going to ask you because you're going to be doing the interview. Yeah, you know, super uh, interesting company. They've got lots of uh, you know life saving uh, technology in play here. So excited to dive in and hear more about this platform they have and kind of their timeline. Um, you know, targeting uh, people with diabetes and other areas. So interesting technology and and that pipeline of uh, you know items in phase two trials right now. All right, before we get started, going. Go into some headlines. Everyone drop us a like if you would be so kind on YouTube. We appreciate that very much. Also, if you were watching any of our shows in the last week, you know that we are approaching 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. And to celebrate, we are running a contest. We are giving away a free share of Tesla. How do you play ball? Very simple. You click on the link that I just posted in the chat. And that is how you enter uh, to win a free share of Tesla. Uh, and also subscribe to Benzing on YouTube if you have not already. If you're wondering about well, what is the code to enter the contest, the YouTube code, it is Slime Raz. S-L-I-M-E-R-A-Z, Slime Raz. All right. With that being said, got some housekeeping items out of the way. Mr. Kachi, let's go into some headlines, shall we? All right. Perfect. All right, so up first we have Lordstown Motors, so ticker R-I-D-E, reported earnings last night, or should I say their their quarterly financial uh, report, so a net loss of $125 million in the quarter. They ended the quarter with $587 million in cash. They're guiding for operating expenses to come in at $115 million for the full year, and uh CEO said, as a result, we need to raise additional capital to complete our business plans and have begun those discussions. They said they have several opportunities to raise capital. Um, They're now targeting late September 2021 for the start of production for the Lordstown Endurance pickup truck. They're seeing higher costs for parts, equipment, shipping, and third-party engineering resources. Um, And then the, the key here was an update saying that that production in 2021 could be limited and at best be 50% of their prior expectations. They're going to host analysts, investors, customers, and partners during the week of June 21st for factory tours and test drives of the endurance. Shares were down 10% after hours last night to 867. Uh, uh, another key here, Spencer, I don't know if you saw this, but Someone shared on Twitter from their uh, conference call, which I didn't have a chance to listen to, that uh, Steve Burns actually said that that at best 50% production comment is only if they don't get new funding. And that if they do get funding, they will be able to meet their goal of 2,200 trucks for 2021. So I think there's some confusion here, but I don't understand why your press release, which more people are going to read, would say at best 50%. And then you come out on your conference call and say, well, if we get financing, everything's going to be okay. Well, what what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to uh, clear communication from the company to the public, right? Uh, so it doesn't sound like it was super clear, obviously. Um, and also what they said, which I thought was interesting, is is, is there's these, I didn't realize this, 
they haven't haven't responded to the Hindenburg report. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How I mean, about that? Too? I just assumed that like, oh, they issued some defense uh, as companies are wont to do, but no, they said, oh, we, we're we're getting around to it. Like, we're gonna have a response soon, right? Which is like that report was like two months ago by yeah, now. months ago yeah, yeah that was interesting to me uh to spencer thanks for uh you know reminding me that um yeah so like clover health when they had the short report right and they said they were going to put out a, a response that day yeah. and then they ended up not issuing a response to the next day i was like whoa why are they taking so long yeah. and, and here we have ride yeah. yeah i mean you know taking months to get that response when you know i i'm not sure what that means for me, this thing has been a sell since it started running um, when they announced the uh, the upcoming event in June. I, I think shares are going to continue to to trade down over the next couple days. The a couple catalysts here now are when they announce the new funding because they don't make it sound like they're going to sell shares necessarily. Maybe they partner with someone, get some funding that way. And, and then also the you know upcoming event where they're going to show off their truck and do the test drives should yeah. you know get a lot of press coverage from that. And that usually has a tendency to help some of these, you know, EV startups um, like Lucid Motors just had some uh, test rides um, at one of their events. So I, I don't know how much lower ride can go here. I think it does see another pop going into that event. But really that timeline now of the delays this year and maybe only hitting 50% of their goal. I mean, let's face it, they have Ford, they have Tesla breathing down their neck now for electric yeah. pickups. So yeah. yeah, this is this is I, I think like that uh investor analyst uh day, whatever, uh in, in June. This is this is gonna be a little awkward, perhaps, just because it's been such a rough go of it. Uh I think a lot of people are um you know, maybe the maybe the stock got well ahead of uh, over its skis there for a little bit, but we just saw Ford last week drop their lightning, right? And it's it just as I was talking about this this morning, so I'm going to re repeat myself a little bit here. But there's just a, this stark contrast between Ford, a company that makes cars in their sleep, uh, and uh, Lordstown Motors, a company that has never actually produced a car before, right? Uh, or in this case, a truck, you know, whatever. So it. It's, it ain't easy, and maybe they're gonna get this thing turned around. But the fact that we are already come, we haven't even gotten to production yet, and we're already well, we haven't even delivered any cars yet, and we're already seeing you know production cuts and and uh, costs are higher than we thought, and and there are some macro re um, reasons for that. Um, but it's just this is not this is not a good situation, I think. Um, you know, we we had we had Lordstown on the show. What what was that like last fall? Um, is, I mean, these are all all of these EV plays. Uh, a lot of them came to market via SPACs are speculative, and you should know that going in. I mean, I think people know that now. Uh, maybe they turn around. I don't know. Maybe it goes back to thirty. No idea. Um, but this is just a this is just a not a good situation and an awkward, uncomfortable situation. I think for all. And especially the fact that they're re they're opening their facility in a couple of weeks, right for the public. Um, yeah, going to face a lot of questions from the yeah. public during these factory tours and yeah. uh, test drives. So, yeah. uh, you know, I I don't think they'll cancel that event, but obviously, you know, that is a possibility now too. Yeah. Um, you know, which could be announced. But you know, I I discussed with Mitch on the show yesterday. I said one of the keys to watch with their earnings report was are they going to announce a share offering and talk about new funding? And oh, sure enough, it, yeah. <laughs> They 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 did, and that was a big negative. The the timeline and the production cut a big negative, and the the short report. I mean, that might end up being the the biggest negative at all that they you know have not responded to that. Let's face it, the SPACs have been an easy target of short reports, and you know, if you're the target of a short report, you really need to respond well, and all eyes are going to be on you, so you're going to be you know watched going forward, and really need to outperform. And in this case, you know, it's it's an underperform. So, yeah. uh, but anyways, let's let's keep Wait, going. I, I Go ahead. One last thing. One in chat. If you are long and strong, Lordstown Motors. Two, if you uh, are not long and strong, Lordstown Motors. Uh, if you are long and strong, um, I'm sorry. This is this is what happens with stocks. They go up, they go down. But um, 
I hope they can turn around. Uh, you know, I think they, I think the truck looks good, but we're a long ways, it seems, from that. And yes, are they going to issue new shares? We don't even really know. So they weren't they weren't super clear on that. There come the twos. All right, now we know. Moving right along, Chris. What um, else got? Yeah, let's try to get through the rest of these headlines. I knew we were going to hit on ride <laughs> for a while, but we have a VLDR Velodyne lidar. So one of several lidar companies. It was announced today that founder David Hall put out a press release uh, highlighting the need for several members to step down from the board saying that the board and management team is fostering an anti-stockholder culture that is resulting in underperformance. Um, you know, this is the company where the, the founder stepped away and now we're seeing a, a continued fight between the board of directors and the former founder. Don't know how much it'll affect the stock, but something to keep in mind going forward with VLDR. And we have SRNG, Soaring Eagle, which I own shares of. Their target, Ginkgo Bioworks, announced that they will hold an investor day on June 24th. They also highlighted that they'll be participating in three upcoming virtual investor conferences. So May 26th, June 1st, and June 23rd. Keep an eye out on this one. This was one of the largest SPAC deals done. They announced that partnership with Biogen last week. Uh, Soaring Eagle, you know, a, a partner in the, the printing of DNA covering several different uh, areas, including vaccines, uh, drugs, agriculture. So keep an eye out on this. They're going to get, you know, some, some new press coverage out of these events. We have SRAC, Sable Road Acquisition, uh, saying that Momentus, who they are merging with, informed the company that it does not expect to fly any missions in 2021. Uh, based on information from SpaceX, says that SpaceX is suspending its Momentus-related efforts while Momentus works to secure approvals from the government. No surprise, yesterday, SRAC shares were down double digits. Um, this is one that has fallen dramatically. This is one you know that I have been behind. Uh, I do like it, but there is some uh, worries here to get sorted out. Their, their former CEO, um, who had ties to the Russian government, stepped away because of some possibilities of the deal not going through. And now you have that partnership with SpaceX kind of coming into question of whether or not they will get those flights done with SpaceX you know, in the future. So SRAC uh, now down at 1021. Keep an eye out on this one. We have PSAC, which is merging with Faraday Future, um, an electric vehicle startup. So they announced the grand opening of FF Futurist Experience in New York City that will allow the public to see its upcoming FF91 for the first time. Um, again, as I said, you know, lots of EV companies now doing this where they do those in-person experiences where you can see the car, you can get in the car, uh, maybe even test drive or test ride the car. Good brand awareness here from Faraday Future. A couple upgrades today. We have LAZR, Luminar Technologies, which, of course, has been in the news for that possibility of a partnership with Tesla. Berenberg initiates coverage with a hold rating, a price target of $18. And then we have uh, Virgin Galactic, SPCE, Morgan Stanley maintaining an equal weight and lowering the price target to $25, saying space tourism is a tough market. CCX set a vote date of June 10th with Skillsoft. And then we had a couple rumors yesterday. So Chia Project, uh, Bloomberg now saying the company could go public via SPAC or IPO later this year. Uh, this is a, a crypto company and interesting that this is actually a new green environmentally friendly crypto uh, company, which could really fit into, you know, the news out there from Musk and others looking for ways to, uh, you know, mine crypto that's less damaging to the environment. And then also GIG uh, is in talk with artificial intelligence company Big Bear, that rumor out there from Bloomberg. And we did have two deals announced this morning. So ticker PTK, uh, taking Valens Semiconductor public. This is a market leader in high-speed connectivity, a proven track record of successful technology innovation and standard setting for high-speed wired connectivity solutions, um, working with several automotive customers and also some key players in the audio, visual, or video industry. 
They've shipped over 25 million chipsets worldwide. Uh, Samsung, Aptiv, and Goldman Sachs among the investors in the company. Revenue of $57 million in 2020, and they expect compounded annual growth of 48% from 2021 through 2026. Then our other deal announced this morning, this was one that was a rumor. Uh, yes, yesterday we talked on the show, ticker LEGO, which I own shares of. No, this is not Lego, the, the toys. This is Lego, the SPAC, Legato merger bringing Algoma Steel Public at a valuation of $1.7 billion, valuing the company at 1.9 times estimated adjusted EBITDA of $901 million. Uh, they also plan to list on the Toronto Stock Exchange after the merger is completed. Current Legato merger shareholders will own 19% of the company. Algoma Steel was founded in 1902, so over 100 years old. It's a manufacturer of hot and cold steel products, Produces advanced grades of steel for industries like automotive, shipbuilding, energy mining, defense, and manufacturing. Canada's only plate producer and home to the low-cost direct strip production complex. Produces an estimated 2.8 million tons per year. A key supplier to Canada in the Midwest of the U.S., so prices of steel have soared in 2021, leading to strong returns. We've seen uh, STLD up 68%, X up 45%. Algoma was acquired in 2007 for $1.6 billion by Indian conglomerate SR Group. Company has completed a restructuring uh, after the declining price of steel and now received a credit rating upgrade in February from Moody's due to the price of steel and expected positive free cash flow. Algoma now focused on sustainable efforts in steelmaking going forward. Shares were up 3% this morning. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Spencer, uh, a steel company going public via SPAC? You know, that's a little bit yeah. different than the, the normal EV, uh, you know, and others that we talk about. I don't know if I remember that, if, if I remember another one of those happening. Do, do you? Yeah, I can't think of the last time we had a steel company go, go public SPAC, if ever, but... No. This is a, a interesting one. You know, I, I'm long shares of LEGO. I'm also long uh, shares of STLD Steel Dynamics, which, you know, has performed quite well this year, you know, with the price of steel rising. So this is an interesting one to me. You know, they're focused on some sustainable efforts. And then also, you know, it's a restructuring, right? They they kind of, you know, were about to go under and they, they've been saved and now they've got a SPAC merger. They've got a credit rating upgrade. So things starting to turn around for Algoma Steel here. All right. We are a couple minutes late for our guests, actually. So why don't we skip the uh, that was the last of the headlines, was it not? It was. Yeah, we can right. dive right into right. this. All right. So let's let's uh, we'll get to the, the schedule and the watch list and all that stuff later on here. But let's. Uh, Bring on a couple of our guests that I mentioned at the top of the show, if we can, in our uh, SPACs Unlocked segment. All right. Joining us now, as I mentioned at the top, uh, Rajiv Shukalas, Chairman and CEO of Alpha Healthcare Acquisition Corporation, ticker AHAC, and the CEO and founder of HumeSight, the company that they are buying, Dr. Laura Nicholson. Uh, Dr. Nicholson, uh, Mr. Shukla, welcome to the show. Thank you, Spencer. Good to be Thanks on. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Welcome to you both. Well, we'll start and dive into the questions here, you know, so going to start with you, Laura. So up first, you know, Humasite, the, the big question here is why a SPAC deal to bring the company public and was a traditional IPO, you know, being considered? Yes. Well, we considered both pathways. Um, you know, obviously, as we all know, 2020 was a very active year, both for SPACs and traditional IPOs. Um, Humasite had really uh, reached some thresholds during 2020. You know, we uh, we really uh, validated our commercial scale manufacturing system so we can now manufacture human tissues at commercial scale. We're really the only company um, in the planet that can do that. And these tissues are universally implantable. They can go into any human recipient uh, so far and with, without rejection. So, so we had really crossed that milestone. And we had also, you know, by last year, accumulated a tremendous amount of clinical data. We've been implanting our engineered blood vessels into patients for more than eight years. And uh, so we, we had a long uh, 
a large data set that really allowed us to have a lot of confidence that we understand that the vessels work and how they work in patients. So given those two things, we really looked closely in late 2020 at, at taking the company public. Um, and we were talking to some, uh, some banks and we certainly had the IPO avenue open to us. Uh, but we were also approached by a number of SPACs during this time period. And um, you know, the decision to go with the SPAC was really kind of twofold. One, um, you know, Rajiv's uh, organization at Alpha, you know, is a very experienced and savvy organization. Um, th these are long-term healthcare investors, so they really understood the, the healthcare investing market. Um, and so they were good strategic partners for Humasight. But in addition, you know, for companies th that are really, I believe, transformative and a little bit out of the box, companies like Humasight, um, going public through the SPAC route really allows us to interact closely with investors over a prolonged period of time and really explain our technology and our results and the value proposition of the company. And so it just made a lot of sense uh, for Humasite to take this back route. Awesome. And then uh, Rajiv, I turn to you, you know, AHAC, the SPAC, you know, you had your choice of, you know, lots of private companies out there to bring public. So, you know, what really set Humasite, you know, apart from other companies that you may have uh, considered bringing public here? Yeah, we, we looked at a lot of uh, different options. There were some really great companies out there. Uh, there's a lot of superb innovation that's being done that's been backed by a lot of smart investors. What stood out for us with Humicide was that, you know, like my previous uh, investment in, in a company called Dermtech, uh, Humicide is one of a kind. Um, you know, there aren't any other clinical stage companies that I'm aware of that have uh, an, an, an extensive pipeline the way Humicide does that are focused on very large market opportunities. Um, you know, if you, look at, if you look at our investment thesis, which is to find companies with a massive addressable market, a, a ideally an insurmountable lead in that market, uh, which by the way, Dermtech also does, uh, and so does Humicide, because they just have so much clinical data. They have, you know, 800 patient years of data that for somebody else to collect that data will take them time by which time Humicide will have progressed on to, to you know, bigger and better things. So we really like the fact that it's focused on something very large. It's far ahead of the game. We also like the fact that the company was already very substantial at the time that we met them. So they had already raised a half a billion dollars in the private markets. And, you know, one of the best kept secrets, I guess, in the biotech industry is such a large company, uh, you know, and we were able to come in and, and, and swoop in on this thing. Um, so we like the fact that, you know, the, the core science was absolutely solid. A lot of the science in the company is Laura's work uh, over the last 20 years. She's collaborated with the best minds in the industry. She's built a terrific team around herself, like Bob Langer, for example who's on the board of the company. We like the fact that the company has their own manufacturing setup, which is a significant area of risk for biotech companies. So, you know, for most other biotech companies, the question is, do you have clinical proof of concept? <laughs> That's how basic the question is. For Humicide, they're so far beyond clinical proof of concept. They're they are now focused on finding ways to, you know, reduce the level of risk for the product in the market. They have a commercial partner in Fresenius, which is the world's biggest player in dialysis. And, uh, and uh, Humicide has a huge uh, pipeline focused on dialysis um, in addition to other vascular products. So we like the fact that they've kind of checked off the box on clinical risk, on commercial risk, on manufacturing risk, backed by a strong team and existing strong uh, balance sheet. Perfect. So, uh, Laura, you know, for people watching this interview that they might not be familiar with Humicite. So tell us a little bit about what makes the company unique and those potential life-saving innovations that the company has. 
yes. So the basis of Humasite's technology, which is really a technology platform, is to use banked human cells uh, that we store in cryofreezers in the laboratory and to grow those cells um, in bioreactors in such a way that these cells form completely new tissues. So for example, for the last 15 years, Humicite has really been perfecting its methods to use human cells to grow replacement human blood vessels. Uh, the blood vessels that we currently grow are, are large. They're, they're 40 centimeters long and six millimeters in diameter. And these vessels have been tested uh, in patients with kidney failure, with vascular disease who are, who are risking uh, limb loss and amputation, and also patients who suffered vascular trauma, like from industrial accidents or gunshot wounds. So we've been using these vessels as, as essentially repair and replacement tissues in patients for many years. We've also shown that these vessels, be, because of how we manufacture them and treat them, when these vessels are implanted into patients, we've seen no instances of any clinical rejection. So this means that we can essentially uh, grow or manufacture human blood vessels that can be implanted into any patient without rejection. Uh, these, these vessels can be stored on the shelf for up to a year and a half. So we can make vessels, ship them to hospitals, and then they can be ready whenever surgeons and patients need them. We've also shown that, that after humocytes vessels are implanted into the patient, cells from the patient migrate into our tissues and essentially turn them into the patient's own blood vessel over time. So over time, these implants become a new artery in a new location that the patient didn't have before. So I really think that this is regenerative medicine in the truest sense. And uh, our ability to do this is, is the result of you know, tremendous private investor support over a number of years and a great technical and manufacturing team that we've developed over the years. And I do think that as, as Rajiv said, um, we've, we've got a good 10 year, 10 year head start on uh, anybody else who would be trying to do this. Um, so we've, we've had our heads down for a while and we've been, we've been working very hard and we've, we've established a real leadership position in the field. Perfect. So, you know, I'll turn back to Rajiv here, but then also to you, Laura, you know, on slide six here, we, we see the massive market opportunity with multiple blockbuster products. Uh, you know, can you just walk us through a little bit of the, the thesis here? How does Humasite really tackle, you know, all these areas and, and hit this massive opportunity for the company and for potential shareholders? Well, I've, Rajiv, if you don't mind, I'll start off and then pass it off to you. But um, essentially, we have phase three trials underway now in the treatment of vascular trauma and also in the treatment of patients with kidney failure who are on dialysis. So those are the first two indications that we anticipate gaining approval for in the U.S. and then more broadly in Europe and worldwide. Um, in addition, we have phase two trials that are underway in patients with vascular disease in their legs, uh, peripheral vascular disease, especially those patients facing amputation. So we would see that being the next product uh, to come forward into the marketplace in a few years. But again, as I mentioned, Humicite's technology is truly a platform uh, because we can use the, the cells to grow tissues of different shapes and sizes, bigger, fatter, shorter, smaller, um, we can also grow tissues that, that have different mechanical properties and even tissues that we can grow can, can be used to deliver different cells. For example, uh, cells that produce insulin that might be useful for treating patients with type 1 diabetes. So um, because our manufacturing platform is, is modular and because we can adapt it to create tissues of different dimensions and different properties, that will allow us, I believe, over time to address uh, problems like uh, coronary artery bypass, perhaps uh, uh, be a surgical option for, for tiny babies who are born with congenital heart defects who need a heart repair, patients with type 1 diabetes, and even patients who need um, other types of tissues replaced, such as airway or potentially the esophagus. So, so we think that there's a, there's a huge uh, range of uh, clinical opportunities 
that we're going to just continue to bite off one at a time. So Chris, what I'd, I'd add to Laura's points is, um, you know, for us, it's a very important thing to have multiple shots on goal. This is a key, key uh, term that folks in the pharma industry use all the time. Um, and the idea is to have multiple drivers of value creation um, so that the company has, you know, the ability to progress multiple things as opposed to be reliant on one product that could have, you know, a one zero kind of outcome. So we really like the fact that the company has multiple products. The interesting thing is that if you look at the, the way those products are set up, there are vascular products and non-vascular products. What is the meaning of vascular? Vascular means anything that carries blood, right? So uh, tubes, basically, arteries and veins that carry blood. And there's a whole range of diseases that one can get in the vasculature. So you could have uh, cardiac disease. You could have blockages in those, uh, uh, in those arteries and veins. You could have... Uh, uh, issues relating to kidney disease where the kidney doesn't work as well and therefore you need to purify the blood through dialysis, right? So there's a whole range of vascular uh, applications where the product that humicide is developing is the human acellular vessel. Now, that is a product with multiple applications, you know, each of which have different clinical trials. And we have Three phase three clinical trials underway. Now, if you if you look at biotech companies that have three phase three trials underway, they're worth in the billions, right? Um, on the other hand, we've done this deal with Humicide at an $800 million pre-valuation, which is the same valuation as their last private round, which was a $150 million private round in which Fresenius participated. Right. So seriously smart people investing seriously large sums of money. And that's the valuation that we've brought to our SPAC investors, the pipe investors and the SPAC investors at a $10 price. So, you know, we've made sure that we've looked at a company with multiple shots on goal at a very attractive valuation. And the risk profile is clearly different. Now, the, the non-vascular products, they're all very unique products. Um, so, for example, we have a product which, which is aimed at type 1 diabetes, and that's a, a pancreas that can be implanted in an outpatient procedure, and that will cure you, essentially, of, of diabetes. Just stop for a second and think about that. No more injections on a daily basis, no more insulin monitoring constantly where you're on the precipice of a crisis constantly, right? And there are huge companies that are focused on this. Dexcom is focused on insulin monitoring. Novo Nordisk and other big companies are focused on insulin uh, injections. If Laura gets this product to the market, which we are all rooting for her to do that, it's an outpatient procedure. You don't need to go under. It's like going to the dentist. That is simply mind-blowing. The The value of just this type 1 diabetes product, you know, is in the double digit billions. Then they have, if you look to the next slide, they have a, they have a, a product which is focused on, on uh, this cardiovascular uh, stuff that Laura was talking for children. You know, a lot of children are born with, with heart defects and they need, they need uh, shunts to be put in. Those shunts currently are plastic shunts and the kids outgrow them and they require repeated surgeries to implant newer, bigger shunts as the child is growing up. So you have, to, you have to crack open the chest and put these in regularly. If the HAV works, you know, and we, we're, we're working on it in the clinic, so we, we have to say if it works, we don't know yet. But if it works, and there are signs that it does because the HAV becomes like the body's own living organ, then that single surgery will take care of, of the person forever or, or at least, you know, longer than a plastic uh, graft would. So that's, just think about that. If you're the parent of a young baby that's born with a heart defect, how heartbreaking it is to see your child undergoing something 
so significant on a regular basis, right? And you're always worried about the child uh, making it. So that's another uh, example of something that they're doing, which is huge. There's another uh, product right after that slide. Uh, the company has a lot of products. Uh, you know, it's it's straight out of like a science fiction movie. Uh, and that's that humicide can, has made a lung. Uh, if you go to the next page after this, you can actually see the lung. And uh, yeah, there you go. See, so, you know, Currently, if you if you need a lung transplant, it's the it's game over. If you have lung cancer or some other lung problem, uh, that's it. You know you have to be in these horrible machines called iron lungs. If you see this picture that uh, that's from Laura's lab, you can actually see the lung inhaling and exhaling inside a plastic container inside a glass tube, right? And you, you know. The idea is we will develop this and one day we will have the ability to implant lungs, entire lungs into human beings. Imagine how significant that is, right? So we like that. And the, the best part is all of this stuff is not something that's going to be decades into the future. Based on the company's plans, the company expects to file their BLA application, biologic license application, to the US FDA next year. Now that depends on them completing the clinical trial and, and a whole host of uh, external factors, but the company's plan is to file the BLA next year. Uh, and given the enormous medical need, the fact that the vascular trauma product has the backing of the US Department of Defense, which is a, which is a big deal. It's a product that has received an RMAT uh, designation, a regenerative medicine advanced therapy designation, which is a fast track designation. You know, we are very hopeful that we'll get this life-saving product to market quickly. And just imagine how many biotech companies are in the market currently that are valued in the billion dollar range with three phase three trials and an impending BLA application next year. Yeah, perfect. That that segues to my next question, you know, kind of laying out the timeline here. You know, so Laura, now as a, a publicly traded company, you know, there, there's going to be a little bit more, you know, pressure on the company to, to really, you know, lay out those dates uh, moving forward. So, you know, Rajiv started laying this out, but talk to us a little bit about the phase two, phase three trials. When are the next dates that shareholders should be uh, looking forward to? Well, you know, again, the uh, the rate of trial enrollment is is something that we can influence, but we can't we can't control ultimately. But but I will say that we anticipate that that our phase three trial that's enrolling now in dialysis access, we should complete enrollment of that trial by the end of this calendar year, by the end of 2021, um, and that would mean since those patients are followed up for a year. Um, that we would get some top line results, maybe a little bit more than a year after that. But our but our first clinical indication is in the treatment of vascular trauma. Um, so this is patients who have acute injuries, um, again, uh, uh, motor vehicle accidents or industrial accidents. Um, by the time an injured person makes it to the uh, emergency room and then gets worked up, that can be several hours. Uh, where if you have a damaged artery, your, your limb is getting no blood flow at all. Um, by the time that patient finally makes it to the operating room, they can have a limb that's had no blood flow for three, four, five, six hours. And so the, the value proposition for Humocyte's uh, acellular vessel is that a surgeon could take that off the shelf and revascularize that trauma patient and restore blood flow to that limb essentially immediately rather than trying to harvest some other blood vessel from the patient's body, which can take another hour. So um, that trauma trial that, that, we're, that has been supported by grants from the Defense Department um, is still underway. And we anticipate uh, filing a, a BLA application uh, based on the results of that trial sometime in 2022. Um, if that were the case, then we expect to obtain our first approval in vascular trauma uh, sometime in 2023, uh, and then be on the market at that time. Perfect. And then, uh, Laura, or if, you know, Rajiv wants to jump in here, I, I had a question about the, the commercial scale manufacturing. 
Um, and then we actually got a question here in the chat from John Ullman asking, so saying Humasite invested in production facilities, which speaks to confidence of FDA approval. Um, will larger facilities be needed in the future? So maybe talk a little bit about the, the commercial side of things here. So, yeah, so we have spent a tremendous amount of, of time and effort um, essentially taking our manufacturing process to, to where it is now, which is, we believe, at full commercial scale. So we spent the last five or six years engineering manufacturing systems that are, that are basically large incubators, uh, as big as a school bus, uh, where we manufacture large batches of our engineered vessels. Um, we have eight of these systems installed in our building now, um, and these are modular systems. So when we want to expand production capacity, we install more of these school bus size incubators into the building. I can tell you that in the building we are right now, uh, we have eight of these units installed, but we have room for probably 40 or a few more. Um, since each of these units makes about a thousand vessels per year, that means that our production in this building can go up to about 40,000 vessels per year. We think based on our market uptake that that will certainly cover us for the first couple years uh, before we would have to build out another facility. Perfect. And then uh, another question here before uh, I think we're going to dive into some questions from the chat. So Rajiv, you know, you, you mentioned here, you know, part of the team that took DermTech public via SPAC, uh, DMTK, that, that's been a pretty well performing, you know, DSPAC company. Do you think that puts, you know, pressure on you to, to land a great deal here, here with Humasite? And also, you know, does, does it help shareholders kind of see the, the long-term future um, you know, of a company like Humasite with uh, patients in Germtech paying off? Chris, it absolutely puts pressure on me. And, you know, it's something that I take very seriously. Um, I'm, a, I'm an investor. My track record is, is everything to me. Uh, Dermtech is not only a good uh, deal, it is the best performing SPAC deal of all time in healthcare uh, across all all geographies, um, and this is even though the stock has weakened, you know, with the the recent market move away from growth into value, the stock was trading at eighty five dollars uh, in in February March, and at that time it was the best performing SPAC transaction across all sectors and all geographies. I mean, people talk about DraftKings and Nikola, but DermTech was the best performing deal. Uh, and the funny thing is Dermtech hasn't even gotten started yet. Dermtech has a very serious ramp up ahead of it. And, you know, I, I expect uh, Dermtech to be easily north of $100 in, in the coming uh, coming months and years. Humicide, in my sense, you know, a bit like, uh, bit like Dermtech, unique story, huge opportunity. Um, I think Humicide is probably going to be a twenty to fifty billion dollar company uh, if they if they successfully launch their products as planned and so on. It's a, it's purely an execution game, but if you believe in the management team, the company should be worth somewhere in the twenty to fifty billion dollar range. You know, based on whatever uh, parameters you you you'd like to use, whether it's. Uh, uh, Multiples against uh, listed comms, precedented uh, M&A comms, fundamental analysis, and so on. You know, all of those metrics take you in that direction, um, which means that the stock will be somewhere in the $200 plus range, uh, you know, in the years to come. So our view certainly is that uh, Humicide is going to be one of those companies that people will look back at one day and say, you remember Amgen when Amgen was getting started or Moderna when Moderna was starting off. That's how people will think about Humesite one day. A uh, couple questions from our chat and then we'll let you guys hop. Uh, Rajiv, this one I, uh, I presume is for you. Uh, is there a timeline on a uh, vote date uh, and, and the quarter that could be announced? Yes. So, you know, uh, I'm sure you're aware that the uh, SEC revised some accounting um, guidelines for all SPACs. Um, that has resulted in a lot of SPACs being slowed down, uh, principally because they've had to restate their 
10 Ks and, and 10 Qs. We got our 10 Ks uh, restated very quickly. We filed our Q1 uh, uh, on the 17th on time. A lot of other SPACs, I would say, in fact, most of the other SPACs have been delayed on filing their quarterly numbers. Uh, we, did, we, we did that uh, exactly on time. The advantage of which is our S4, where we've heard back from the SEC with comments, our next submission on the S4 will have the updated financials. And those are the financials that will, you know, which are the final numbers, hopefully, uh, that'll show up for the uh, effective S4. So we've, because of our, you know, experience and, and, and uh, you know, focus, uh, we're not running a fund on the side. This is what we do. We, we, we focus on SPACs. We've gotten those filings done on time, which means our S4 will, will ideally move quickly. Uh, our expectation is that uh, we'll file the amended S4, you know, in the coming week, a week or next week. And uh, we should hear back from the ACC with comments again within two weeks of that. There's another round of comments after that or another two rounds of comments after that. Okay. We should see a vote in July. Uh, you know, assuming all of those factors go uh, as as uh, estimated, so we're not giving you guidance on the right. Very hard to give guidance on on regulatory right. stuff that is not in our control, but sure. we, we're planning for July. Sure. And then a question for Laura: uh, the the cells uh, for the uh, tissue, where, where where do those cells come from? Yeah, those are human vascular cells that are actually obtained. From, from organ donor tissues. So for example, if a patient dies and becomes an organ donor, their liver might go somewhere and their kidney might go somewhere else to some other patient. But actually the large blood vessels in the body don't have a transplantation use. And so for a more than a decade, Humocyte partnered with a number of organ procurement organizations in the US to obtain these human tissues that would not otherwise be usable by patients. And we isolated cells from those tissues, vascular cells. Um, and we identified subsets of those cells that, that work extraordinarily well in our process. And we currently have a cell bank that can support our production of vessels for the next 20 or 30 years. All right. Can I add a, a, a quick yeah. disclaimer? So, for you know, a lot of people ask if these are stem cells. These are not stem cells. Okay. Right. No, they're, 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 regular, they're regular old human differentiated cells. They're not stem cells. They're not embryonic stem cells. All right. Rajiv Shukla, uh, Chairman CEO, as I said, of uh, Alpha Healthcare Acquisition, the SPAC that is acquiring the company founded and CEO of uh, that Laura uh, Nicholson is the founder of uh, Humicite. And this has been a fantastic, I think, informative interview for everyone. I, I had no idea that this stuff was even possible. So thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank, uh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. God, I, I swear, Chris, every time we have, like, uh, anytime I talk to, like, a, uh, executives from, like, a biotech company or uh, healthcare, I, I always, like, feel like dumber like because like i like don't even know like no, i'm i'm with you on that today so they, they're on another plane of existence. i didn't know that some of this stuff was possible Me neither. and here what, they are yeah. bringing it to market hopefully soon so isn't isn't that crazy like a you know implantable you know new devices here and you know could change type 1 diabetes you know exactly. for forever right like that's that's crazy the so future the future has arrived my friend yeah so spencer i'm wondering if you can pull up the the chart for dmtk okay uh, so derm tech um yeah. maybe a two-year chart here sure. so so derm tech was the first uh or the last spac done by uh alpha healthcare so rajiv's uh group here and, and this one you know it, it had a similar where it, it traded up to like $20, I think, and then it dropped back down to $10. And it spent months and months at the $10 level, um, you know, after yeah. completing that SPAC merger. And then this thing really started taking off. 
um, you know, as it really the story unfolded for for Dermtech and those those patches. I, I know this has been a stock, you know, that's been talked about on, on Power Hour and other shows. You know, has some exciting uh, uh, future technology here with uh, you know diagnosing things through a patch. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, I think there is a lot of pressure, as Rajiv said, you know, on him to, to land another good deal right after bringing Dermtech to market. Um, and, and here we have Humasite, which, you know, traded over $15, uh, but now it's dropped back down to $10, you know, as, as SPACs have come down. But this is one of those, you know, where maybe you, you put it in an IRA, you, you set it aside for five years and you don't look at it because, you know, they, they are a year or two away from really having those those catalysts play out. You know, what do you think based on what, what was said today, you know, for their future? I mean, it all sounds great. The obvious caveat and that they themselves said is, um, you know, this is going to be a, a a massive gainer if everything goes according to plan, which we know it very often does not. Um, and we know with, with these types of companies, right? I mean, funding is important, right? This, this stuff, this stuff ain't cheap. This stuff, exactly. This stuff is expensive. It costs money. They're as, as normal as is part of the course, they're probably going to have to do some, some kind of fundraising in the future. That's normal. So yeah, for sure, is that as well, you know the fact that they've got, I guess, more than one uh, uh, egg in their basket uh, is good, you, you, right? Or as 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 Rajiv said, more than one shot on goal. Yeah, the shots uh, on goal. I I did think that was interesting that they at least you know have have a couple different areas you know that maybe can offset then you know any roadblocks going forward maybe. Right. So the you know the studies are ongoing right now, and they they couldn't really get too spe- uh, specific as far as uh, timelines there. Um, but it, you know, if, if they go well, then yeah, I'm interested, but that, that's, this is, this is like a binary event sort of thing for now. Um, it all sounds great, but now we got to see sort of, you know, if it, if it works. Um, also I didn't really understand, um, and I, maybe I should have followed up about this cause I, I had thought that lung transplants are, are, are a thing. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I, I think that's very difficult um, you know, to, to maybe get the lung to, to do that, yeah. um, or do that, that transplant. So maybe, you know, it, it's going to change that, um, you know, but the, the lung wasn't even on my radar. It was really that, that artificial pancreas. Right. And, yeah. you know, we talk so much about these companies that monitor, you know, blood sugar and, you know, help with diabetes monitoring and, and here they're actually going to, to change it, you know, potentially, with the the artificial pancreas that an outpatient surgery too that surprised yeah. me right that that could yeah. be just done as outpatient so guys that ticker was ahac um spencer i want to bring one up that i know you've actually talked about on this show and on uh, pre-market prep that's ipoe uh, merging with sofi um so the vote date is set for two days i don't remember where you called this at um, but I know it was below the $21 it's at today. So I, Spencer, I bought calls on this a couple weeks ago oh. and, and I actually sold them um, because I, I took my profits and now I have no position in IPOE and I'm wishing I would have gotten some common shares along the way because this thing is looking like it's going to rip um, into this vote this week. And, and I think going forward, what do you, what are you thinking of IPOE and that, uh, you know, bank charter I, catalyst uh, hopefully coming? I said, I like this long-term but I, and that's, that's I wouldn't say I call this a, you know, this is maybe a bit of a lucky thing. Uh, congratulations, Chris, if you, anyone is in it from whatever, 15, good job. Um, I am highly skeptical of this, of this short-term run into the vote date. Let me see. Again, I said I like the company that they're merging with. I don't own any. I'm not long it at all. I just like it, and I'm waiting on this bank charter. But um, I let's just slow down everyone for a second here, and let's just wait and see how this thing behaves after the vote. The vote is the 27th, right? That's yep. Okay, so that's Thursday. So let's just chill, everyone, and wait and see how this thing digests after the vote date. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it goes back down to like 18, right? 
or, or 17 or whatever, 16. Um, you, I, I don't know why it's running. For those asking, I, I don't. Uh, although I haven't really been in touch with markets for the past couple of days, so I, don't, I really don't know a whole lot. Uh, but uh, maybe there is news that I missed. You, you know, Spencer, it's something Mitch and I talked about yesterday and I think last week too. We're starting to see, and I know you probably saw this, you know, months ago, where SPACs used to actually, you know, trade positive you know, going into the, the oh, vote day and oh, after. And, and we're starting to maybe see a reversal in that happening again. Um, OWL, uh, the ticker, is one that recently completed its merger. And, and since then, you know, it's now trading around $12. And this was one that was right around the $10 mark when it completed its vote. And, and here, you know, it, it's starting to go higher, you know, a week or two after you know, the merger is actually approved. So, you know, for a while we were seeing all these SPACs come back down to $10 or below after the vote. Yeah. And now we're starting to maybe see that reversal coming. So, you, you know, what do you think of that? Do you think we we maybe start to see some of these, you know, trade higher after the vote? Or you think we're going to see, you know, the majority come down here? Um. Well, first, I, I like we're, we're talking about one. I, I guess we're talking about two stocks, right? We're talking about IPOE. You're talking to OWL. Um, the the run up into a, an event, whether it's a vote um, or or something else. I, I guess that's the only event that that is on the calendar for these companies. Um, that that is interesting, but that's only half the equation, right? The other half of the equation is what happens after the event. And so the OWL vote. So that already happened. You just said, right? Yep. Yeah, and so I'm sorry. When was that? Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago that that okay. one completed. Okay, so like two two stocks running running into the vote date. Great. Um, that does not make a trend for me. Um, I, again, IPOE is one that I'm interested in, but I'm gonna want to see a lot of them. It's gonna take a lot more than two for me to be like, oh, like sentiments turned here, right? Like for for sentiment to turn and spacs. Like I would think, I I would you've got to see this happen five, six, seven, eight, a dozen times, right? Um, and maybe then you say, okay, yes, sentiment has turned. We are now run. This is a, this is a thing. We are now back to buying spacs ahead of vote dates. And then the other side of that coin is, do we sell the news? I, d- I don't know. I don't know. It, it's why I'm skeptical of this IPOE thing. Like I am not jumping in IPOE right now. Um, I, because I just don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. Like I, I thought SPACs were still out of favor is, is what I thought. Maybe, yeah, and, maybe, and, maybe that's turning. And going back to about the, the end of April, Spencer, we're about 50, 50 right now for ones that ha, have gone higher after the vote. So like STEM S T E M is another yeah. one. And S K I N those are both trading higher. Um, you know, since the vote. But then on the flip side, we have ZEV and um, there was another one uh, that Blade, BLDE, that are both trading around $8. So we're about 50-50 right now on one. Yep. So, I, you know, again, they're not all going to go higher after the vote. But I think right. this is the first time we're starting to really see, you know, some with that positive momentum coming out of the vote in months right? Like it used to be, you know, sell into the vote, right? For since, you know, this rally ended in SPACs, it was sell before the vote or trade in your shares for $10 because it's going to fall below 10 right after the vote. And and now we're getting a mixed bag around 50-50. So I think that's interesting to see here. And I really think IPOE, you know, could be a a changing point, right? Because it's a a well-known company, right? SoFi, it's got strong backing. So so, I'm interested to see how that trades this week. Well, let me say, let me say what my plan will be. So the vote date is the 27th, and then I I, I know that it's supposed to. I would guess through. Monday would be the ticker change right. based on Friday right. and the okay. weekend. So or Monday's uh, holiday, so we're so we're looking at Tuesday. Yeah, June. So June first, right? Yeah. So so if on June, here let me pull up a chart. If on June, um, like second or June third. This thing is like above twenty. I'm I'm game. I'm, yeah. I'm game. If it's not, then I'm not. Is, is for now. It's sort of how like that's like my plan of attack for for this. Uh, but enough about, about that. There are other uh, spacs merging or voting uh, on their merger this week. Chris, you want to run through the calendar real fast, and then we'll 
Wow. Yeah, so this week we have IPOE on the 27th and we have STIC on the 28th uh merging with BarkBox. What do you what do you think Spencer? Do you do you own dogs or no? I've actually this is like an unpopular thing, but I've never I've never had a dog. I I will same. I oh okay, so good. So I I'll get a dog one day. I I'm like the only person of my friend group that like did not have a dog growing up. Oh, I I had cats growing up, not dogs. My wife had a dog, so we're in the middle on what we're gonna have someday. Yeah. But I don't want pets until my kids are old enough to help take care of the pets. So, yeah. but I know Mitch has dogs. So you know, BarkBox very popular out there. That's another one. You know, where does STIC, uh, you know, trade next week? Because that's one trading below ten dollars right now. So does it get that momentum going into the vote date, or does this one fade? So you know, and based on the fifty-fifty, maybe STIC fades. So, but it looks like it's noon. It looks like that's going to be a wrap for for Spax Attack today. Thanks for hanging out, Spencer, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, more this week. How many likes are we at? Let's get to. Oh come on, let's get to over a hundred likes. We gotta get to a hundred. I mean, hundred. Get to a hundred likes. Subscribe again. The link to the free. A uh, share of Tesla contest is in the description. Is it? Uh, oh, no. It's not. I will have to get it in there. Uh, oh, I hear Luke. That means he's live. I'm that means he's live. I could hear him. I'm pasting the link. I'm pasting the link in chat. There it is. Winner free share of Tesla. Hit subscribe. Everyone have a good rest of your day. We're going to hop off. The power hour is starting right now. Thanks, everyone.